Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for that warm introduction and thank you for your fellowship tonight in the gospel. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and I want to begin tonight's class with a true story that has bearings upon my, uh, my message. There was a day uh, when I was living in Davao City as a missionary. My wife and my two oldest kids had gone out shopping. And uh, I was upstairs in my office. And all of a sudden, my half Doberman, half uh, police dog began to, German shepherd began to, oh, 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 oh began to just bark his head off, which wasn't too um, uncommon. Uh, that dog would respond to anybody that walk, was walking by, but it just kept on going. And uh, we had a babysitter that uh, called out and said, Pastor, come quick. There's a big snake outside the door. And so I went down and as I looked across the hand railing where my wife had a number of very large potted plants, in between those plants, there was a snake that was a beautiful, uh, had beautiful markings. It was yellow, black stripes, and its body was heaving. I could see through the, um, uh, through the pots. And as I changed my angle, uh, uh, here's this snake with a very, very striking pose right uh, heading towards my dog's uh, uh, nose. And so my youngest uh, son, Gregory, was uh, having a great time with this. He's going in and out and and I'm not, uh, I'm not a snake man, but I, uh, you know, I, mama didn't raise any fool. And so when I see a snake like this, I can only assume one thing. And so I yelled at Gregory. I said, get in the house. If the snake doesn't kill you, I will if you go out of the house again. And, uh, and I had uh, bare feet and shorts uh, on. I said, you know what? Uh, first thing I got to do is get the dog safe. I got the dog away, ran upstairs, put on some dungarees and some heavy socks and shoes and went down to do mortal combat. And I understood that uh, just looking at this snake, I understood by the spirit emanating off this snake, uh, it was either it or I, one of us, uh, was going to die that day. I'm pondering this. I'm claiming the scripture. The Lord said, you're going to tread on serpents uh, and scorpions. And I'm pondering this. How am I going to tread on this thing? Uh, it, looks, it looks like it can jump. Uh, and so I went over to my shed. I got a shovel. I got one of these machetes. Uh, that, uh, so here I come. I'm armed for battle. Glory to God. And so as I'm looking at this thing, and I'm starting to go in. It's highly agitated. Uh, and uh, so I decided, I said, you know what I think I'll do? Um, I'll have, try some aerial bombing first. I used, to, I used to pitch in Little League, and so I scooped up a rock, and I wound up, man, and I threw my curveball in, uh, and wham, I smashed my wife's potted plant to smithereens. 
Now I really, 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 really got to kill this thing uh, and produce its hide or I'm going to be killed. Amen. And so uh, this uh, really agitates the snake. Uh, and this time the snake goes <laughs> at that rock. I want to tell you that changed the dynamics of our combat. <laughs> this thing can spit. I got a few steps back further. Oh, what am I going to do? Where's my pitching arm when I need it? Holy Ghost nudged me and said, try your favorite pitch. What's that, Lord? You remember the bean ball. And so I wound up uh, and I cuffed this thing in the back of its head, uh, drove it into the ground, pounced on it, uh, took my machete and bludgeoned it, uh, killed it probably 15 times over, uh, scooped, <laughs> scooped it up, uh, walked it over, put it on, the, uh, on my driveway. It sat about four uh, feet long. Right about that time, my next door neighbor came by and his name's George Yap. I said, Mr. Yap, have you ever seen this kind of snake? He looked at it with that inscrutable Asian face and said, yep, it's a spitting cobra. They're deadly. I swear. <laughs> but I want to tell you, the Lord be my witness, when I saw that snake, I said, I'm going to kill it. There's no messing around with something that's poisonous like that. It could have either killed me, it could have killed someone in my family. And I want to tell you this evening, it's the same with the serpent that I'm exposing. There are no options for any one of us in this room tonight. Either you're going to face this and fight in one way or another, or you're going to find it's going to take its toll on you and it's going to, um, uh, uh, in the end, if you do not fight this, uh, this serpent I'm about to expose, it will take its toll on you. Some of you will absolutely be spun out. The venom of this thing uh, as it spits in your eye and beclouds your, uh, your reason or it sinks its fangs in you and totally kills you, uh, it will spin you out. Others, there'll be a slow uh, degradation, you could say, that will take its uh, uh, time slowly but surely, a little poison here and a little poison there. Others tonight, uh, this serpent uh, uh, will box you up successfully uh, in barrenness and frustration uh, and cause you to live a subpar Christian life. Uh, you must play the man. You must face this opponent, uh, and you must kill it. And I want to talk with that kind of a tenor and talk to you tonight about winning against witchcraft, a message that I've had percolating inside of me for a couple weeks, especially just come back from Australia. The Lord began to deal with me about this. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse two, you follow with me. Paul, the apostle says, for I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. He's saying that with exclamation. Verse 13, if you'll jump with me there. 
For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So I want to minister tonight on winning against witchcraft. And, and first of all, let's begin by unmasking the reality. As we trace the prevalence uh, and uh, the pervasiveness of this force, of uh, this dark force uh, that seeks um, from the opening pages of Scripture, we find its trail um, uh, winding uh, its way all the way to the end of the Scripture. Uh, this is a force tonight uh, that the devil brings against our lives, against our souls to derail uh, God's people. Now let me hasten to say and lay the groundwork that until the recent dealings of the Holy Ghost in my heart... Uh, I have not connected the dots that are through the pages of Scripture like this um, so graphically uh, and assuredly um, as I have um, in the last few weeks. I'm not a demon chaser. I don't sniff for demons. I don't believe that there's a demon in every doorknob. Quite frankly, I don't like to have anything to do with demons. And the only thing I really know about them uh, is I don't like them. I'm sure the feeling is quite mutual. I have functioned many years of my Christian life by the old Puritan adage, flies do not land on a hot stove. If we keep ourselves hot for the things of God, that cures and, and, um, and causes many problems um, uh, not to come our way. And as the scripture puts it, give no place to the devil. Many times I've quoted the scripture that uh, you've probably heard, Numbers 23, 23. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against um, Israel. And in point of fact, I do believe that the blood of Jesus Christ and the covenant that, covenant that we have uh, uh, that covers us um, by the blood of Jesus deals with most of the issues. And thank God, as we learn from the scripture in the book of Job, there is a protective hedge. It quite reminds me of the um, little article that I have concerning uh, uh, Jupiter. The planet Jupiter is our first line of defense from the asteroids uh, that might uh, strike and destroy our, um, our planet, says Alan Boss, an astrophysicist of Carnegie Institution uh, of Washington. It is something like 99.9% .9 efficient at throwing dangerous space junk, asteroids, and meteorites back out into interstellar space. How does this happen? Jupiter is 318 times heavier than the Earth. Because of its mass, Jupiter creates a huge gravitational field that acts as a giant cosmic vacuum cleaner, drawing the junk that floats into the gravitational field towards it and away from other planets. Jupiter displayed its protective power six years ago when a monster comet broke into fragments and bombarded the planet Jupiter with more destructive power than all the atomic bombs on Earth. Not all space particles get deflected by Jupiter, but living in Jupiter's gravitational field minimizes the destructive forces that enter the Earth's atmosphere. Considering Jupiter's protective role, the ancient Romans unknowingly named the mighty planet well. In old Latin, Jupiter means sky father. Aren't you glad that we have a heavenly father that does that for you and I? 
He puts a hedge of grace. He gives his angels charge over his own. Uh, and we thank God for all the protection of the blood. Uh, and yet, while that is wonderfully true by and large, uh, we must remember uh, that from the opening creation mandate uh, that we have been charged with God, by God uh, with taking dominion uh, upon this earth, upon this creation, uh, and establishing uh, and subduing our enemies uh, in the earth. It was David who cried out in Psalms 120 and verse 5, Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so what David is saying, there is no detente uh, in, this, uh, in this discharge. Uh, there is no uh, uh, peace or passivity that's allowed. Uh, we dwell tonight um, in a contested uh, real estate, uh, and the enemy that we're called to fight, uh, he hates us um, uh, incurably, has an incurable uh, uh, vitriol or hatred uh, uh, for you and I, and there's no making peace with the devil. Uh, there's no taking vacation on this battle, uh, and I want to speak to you. Uh, because uh, David, uh, as he says, you know what, I was for peace, but my enemies are not for peace. And therefore, thank God that though David uh, was a psalmist, though David had a poet's heart, though David had a protective heart as a shepherd, uh, he also allowed God to work inside of the, his heart, um, a warrior's uh, uh, creed, uh, a warrior's spirit. Um, and listen to um, uh, Psalms 18, verse 34. He, this is God, he teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I uh, uh, turn again until they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet, for thou hast girded me with strength unto battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast given also uh, me the necks of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. Thank God tonight for that kind of cutting edge, uh, masculine, uh, no holds bar, uh, straight to the mat. Uh, I'm going for broke. I want to knock his block off, David said. Uh, and when I'm going to get involved, if I have to get involved in this, uh, um, quit playing games uh, and I'm going to march into this thing uh, and I'm going to uh, subdue uh, and I'm going to conquer those forces uh, that have unjustly come against my life. Amen. Hey. Hey, there's some, there's some, uh, hey, there's some uh, fans over there. Glory to God. And, uh, and uh, glory to God tonight. Um, we'll see if we can't stir the rest of you. Aren't you glad for George Bush? Time for games is over. Mess with us. I'm more glad for the captain of the host of heaven. His name's Jesus. I'm glad for the portrait that we have cast in the scripture that when he meets Joshua, he has an outdrawn sword. He's not using this to pick his teeth as a toothpick, uh, uh, but he's using this uh, uh, to charge into the battle um, of the Lord. And he's the one that leads the charge uh, like the old warrior kings of old. Uh, he's not uh, someplace way back and dug out uh, uh, a villa, but he's up on the front lines um, and leading the host, showing us how to win. So... With those thoughts in mind, let's trace the serpent's trail, particularly as he spins the web of witchcraft. Now, let me put some faces to this spirit. It starts with the serpent in Genesis 3, and the Bible says that the serpent beguiled Eve. 
This in the Hebrew means to lead astray, mentally to delude, or morally to seduce. As we go through all of these various uh, examples, we're going to find two thrusts um, that go hand in hand uh, and uh, witchcraft and in sorcery. There will always be something that happens mentally to drug and morally to degrade. Mark it down. That deception carries the twin viruses, uh, and uh, this is to uh, curse on one hand and to corrupt. On one hand, to smite. On the other hand, to seduce. Mark it down. This spirit uh, moves through the scriptures. This is the horrible one-two punch that has always been Satan's modus operandi, which is to curse uh, and to destroy. Paul uttered um, what he saw, and what we will see is a well-founded fear. He saw, saw, he said uh, to these um, uh, believers in Corinth, um, I have a fear. And as we're going to see, it's well-founded. And, and that is that the old uh, tried and true methods um, of our arch enemy, they're not on vacation. Uh, he doesn't need to find a new plan because this plan works time and time and time again as we um, uh, look at the scripture and as we can well see in our own history. There's some tonight... As I preach to you, and I believe the Spirit of God will help you, you're caught in a web that the Word of God wants to speak to you. I inject the Apostle's Word, Paul, 2 Timothy 2, 25, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This word recover is a powerful word. It literally means to become sober again, figuratively to regain one's sense. Or in other words, it's almost like the influence of a drug, the influence of some kind of hypnotic trance, the influence of some drink. It drains out and the mind comes back into focus. The understanding is quickened again. And Jesus basically said the same thing when he said, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Glory to God. Let's pick up this trail. And what we're going to discover is that at the pivotal moments in the kingdom of God being advanced, this virulent opposition raises its head. We have Moses. He's sent by God. Go and confront Pharaoh. Command this man to, uh, who sits on the serpent's throne in uh, Egypt. You command him to let my people go. You know the account. Pharaoh uh, begins to just, uh, uh, you know, say, who is the Lord that I should listen to you? Uh, Moses had some signs that he performs, uh, but Pharaoh's not impressed by the supernatural sign. And he beckons for his uh, sidekick clowns. Uh, their names uh, are given to us in the New Testament, Janus uh, and Jambres. Uh, they are the magicians uh, in Pharaoh's court uh, who sat uh, uh, beside him to come uh, and begin to give their um, uh, encouragement. Uh, and 
instead of just turning loose the people of God, they fought um, uh, tenaciously um, to maintain them as their slaves uh, and to hold them uh, away uh, from the purposes of God in order to build the treasure cities of Egypt. You see, if you're not serving God, the devil will see to it that you're in some form of slavery uh, and involved in building his purposes uh, in the earth. Paul, once again, drops this for us. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. As we studied Bible names, they give us a little uh, window, as it were, into the spirit. And it's very interesting, as I was doing a study on these two names, I could not find uh, any information about Jambres. Uh, but the first man mentioned, the lead actor, uh, is Janus. And literally, his name means he vexes. And so there's a little nugget for us. This man, Janus, his name means I vex you. I vex you by the spirit of Python. I vex you by the serpent. I vex you by the force of witchcraft that moves out of my life. These were the human instruments that Satan was able to move through to resist and muddy the waters of what God was trying to do through his servant. Let's move on. As we shift out of Egypt, God wins the showdown. And what we find, there's an infiltration in the people of God with the mixed multitudes that attach onto the people of God. Moses goes to the mountain. They began to agitate. We're not content. The man of God is out of the picture for a while. Let's uh, make something happen. Let's have a move uh, of some kind of spirit. And so they make a golden cow. This is the first false deity. And then, true to form, their morals are corrupted immediately. But what is for our instruction, Moses comes to a man, Aaron, who should have known better. It's his brother, Aaron. What did, the scripture says, this people do unto you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? The answer was deception was at work, and Aaron began to feel, or fear rather, the intimidation of men. This is a prime agitation. This is a prime uh, force that begins to emanate out of witchcraft and that causes someone otherwise who is known to be sound, could be trusted, but because he's intimidated, uh, he says, you know these people, their hearts are set on evil and wickedness, and so my mind got bewitched, my mind got beclouded. Paul said, I fear, lest by any means, any means at all, uh, employ by the enemy of your soul, uh, you would be beguiled uh, like um, Eve. They get through that. They go on their way to the promised land. They have to pass through the land of Moab. And there's a wicked king. His name is Balak. And he hires this man by the name of Balaam. Now, this is an odd mixture. If you look at Balaam, you know that in some senses he seems to make contact with God. He's asked God if he could go. God said, no, you cannot go. But he keeps pestering God. And so in witchcraft, the thing that's very difficult sometimes is it has a form of godliness. No, no marvel. Satan can transform himself as an angel of light. Isn't that right? 
But what makes the, muddy, the waters muddied uh, is that here is Balaam. He has some kind of connection, uh, a hit or miss connection with God uh, and pesters God. And you know the story. He goes anyway um, and uh, uh, he almost gets killed by the angel and the donkey has more sense than him. But there's a lot of nuggets here. And his work is uh, to curse and to destroy the purposes of God. Numbers 22 and verse 6. Balak says, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail, that we may smite them. There it is. Curse and smite, uh, and that I may drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. The ancients understood this uh, business about putting curses. They believed in this. This wasn't a, 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 a novice that had been called. Uh, this was a man that had already had proven credentials. Uh, and Balak says, I know that whoever you speak a word on, it's going to affect them. There's power in the spiritual force coming out of this uh, warlock's life. Uh, and so the ancients understood this uh, very well. Uh, but for our study, uh, it's suffice it to say that what I want to bring out is that this is happening in secret. The people of God are unmindful of what's happening up on the ridges around. This is something that's being done behind the scenes. They're gone their way to doing the will of God. They're minding their own business. They're not wanting to uh, mix it up with Moab. They've asked for a free pass to go through. Uh, they promise they're not going to harass them. But that doesn't matter because the antagonistic spirit that we're involved with tonight or against tonight hires these hired guns um, and these warlocks to speak curses against. Uh, and um, this is the uh, principle that I want you to see. Time fails me to develop the many other examples. There's Goliath. He cursed the people by 40 days. There's witchcraft, intimidation. It's not just that he's a big bad dude. He is um, uh, broadcasting uh, a spirit that causes uh, a king that is uh, in sin to be paralyzed. Uh, and because he's paralyzed, uh, the rest of the people are quaking in their boots. Uh, and so we know about Saul. It does well to think and linger for a moment about Saul. Because this man rebels against the word of God. He rebels against his spiritual covering. And so Saul, uh, Samuel comes on the scene and listen to this powerful word, especially as it applies to our subject at hand. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Really? If you want to look at it? Irresolution, intimidation that was moving in, in uh, Saul's life. Verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed uh, their voice. Let me tell you something. I'll just drop this and run. This is how much witchcraft enters into the church of Jesus Christ tonight. Rebellion is as the sin, and I hope as we go along, we unmask this spirit for the horrendous thing that it is. Let's quickly touch on Jezebel. We want to get the women too tonight. We're an equal opportunity preacher. We don't want the women that listen to the tape to feel they're left out or not being thought about. I might get in a lot of hot water with some women, but that's okay. 
Jezebel wasn't just a domineering woman. Jezebel had an intense, powerful spirit of witchcraft. Insomuch that though Elijah could face down a whole troop of men and false prophets and take them on single-handedly, face down a puppet king and not worry about that, but when it came to this spirit, this Jezze spirit, uh, even this man of great boldness uh, uh, turned tail and ran. 2 Kings 9 and verse 22 tells what happened when she finally got her just desserts uh, uh, at, um, at the hands of Jehu. And the uh, Bible says, and it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu, this Joram is uh, her son, saw Jehu that he said, is it peace, Jehu? And Jehu answered, what peace? So long as the whoredoms, there's that morality side, of your mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. You see, tonight there's a connection between whoredoms and witchcraft because the spiritual and the sexual drives within mankind are closely linked. And this is why false uh, doctrine will always produce uh, bad morals that are intertwined. If you haven't made that discovery yet, Receive it as a revelation tonight. <laughs> Next, we go to Haman the Agagite. He is spared. Oh, we're talking about crucial thresholds and pivot points uh, of the kingdom. Here is Haman. He is spared by Saul. He was of a cursed uh, uh, a tribe, a cursed uh, descendants. Um, he should not even have been allowed to live. Uh, there were ancestral spirits at work coming down uh, in his life. Um, and the Bible says that he um, had a, a beef with a man by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai wouldn't tip his hat to him right, wouldn't bow his knee. This offended his little pride. Uh, and so he went uh, home. He said, you know what? I can't stand that man Mordecai. I hate his guts. But not only do I hate his guts, it's not good enough to kill just him. I want to get all of his people. Here is an inveterate hatred that uh, the enemy has um, against the seed of the righteous. Esther chapter 3, verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they showed him that the people, who the people of Mordecai were. Therefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, that is in the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast purr. That is the lot before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the 12th month. That is the month of Adar. And so what's happening here is that demonic strategy is being called upon and employed not just to take out one personal enemy, but to do a world of damage to all that are associated. And again, I say there is no discharge in this war. Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. You see, if you'll not rise to this battle, there's two observations. You're not really with the Lord in heart. Let that sink in. Well, I just, you know, it's not my calling to engage the devil. You better find out your short Roman sword that is a disemboweling tool, uh, and you better learn how to fight and disembowel some devils. 
The other thing is, if you're not actively working for his purposes, then you are actively uh, 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 resisting. You're actively scattering. Uh, and you say, well, I'm not going on outreach. I'm not involved in any kind of uh, intercessory prayer. I'm not involved in any kind of helping hands of follow-up, uh, encourage. I just simply want to be a you know, wallflower for Jesus. Uh, you're working for the devil. That's pretty, that's pretty hard saying, Pastor Olson. But that's what the Word of God says. He that's... He that gathers not. If you're not actively gathering, uh, then you are being somebody uh, that's actually working against uh, the camp of God. Now, let's move this into the New Testament. And again, we want to see how pervasive this spirit is at the crucial thresholds uh, and doorways of the gospel. Here's John the Baptist. He's having a great revival. People are streaming out to him uh, at the Jordan. Uh, and uh, he recognizes this spirit Immediately, as uh, Satan's, I'll call these, uh, uh, these people by a new name, Satan's warlocks, uh, and his witches came out. And they came out to resist. Listen to, uh, uh, let me see if you can't identify who Satan's warlocks are. Matthew 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers. Now, we're talking Bible terminology. That means something. Oh, generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Now we're getting nearer to home. In other words, various sects within the Jewish religion, they're prideful, they are domineering, they are religious posers that John blisters and says, you better repent uh, and your fruit is rotten. Now, Jesus mixes it up with them, Matthew 23 and 23. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He blisters them. You serpents. That sounds like he's talking about devils, doesn't it? But again, he's talking about religious guys. You serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? And uh, he prophesied uh, that their attitude was going to be very consistent right to the end. The tribe of the Pharisees and the tribe of the Sadducees lives on, brother. I have no time to elaborate other than in passing Philip going into new territory, new territory into Samaria. Again, there is a uh, shadowing, as it were. There's a man by the name of Simon. He seeks to purchase uh, the power of God. Peter sniffs him out. The testimony there is he was a great one that gave himself off as he was the great power of God. He was a sorcerer. Uh, and so he uh, opposed uh, uh, the uh, entrance of the gospel going into Samaria. We have Bar Jesus at Paphos in Paul's ministry, Acts 13, verse 6. When they had reached and gone through to the Isle of Paphos, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, uh, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, uh, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from uh, the faith. Let me tell you this. The devil knows there's key people in positions of our cities. He knows that there are uh, those that are charged with the governance of our nation uh, on a federal level, um, on a state level, right on down to county levels. Uh, and uh, I want to say that the devil assigns, uh, just as he did in that day, uh, he assigns those that will exercise uh, a, uh, a spiritual uh, influence uh, that is not for the gospel uh, and that turns away uh, the hearts uh, of leaders and the hearts of those uh, uh, that uh, could do a, a world of good for the gospel. And we need to be aware that that is still an active strategy of hell. 
We can trace it through. Paul speaks to the Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It's happening. We find that in John's epistle, he mentions a man by the name of Diotrephes. Uh, he loves to have the preeminence. He intimidates people. Uh, he quenches uh, uh, the move of God. And you know what? Um, we have seen this in our own ranks uh, as years have gone by. And it's amazing to me that once the cover is blown uh, in our own ranks, uh, they operate full, full on uh, over time. They never work so hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, but oh, once they get exposed, uh, once they didn't get their way. Once they're not allowed a preeminence uh, of position or title, uh, they love the titles uh, of man. They love to sit in the chief places in the synagogue, uh, but if they don't get what they want, uh, their cover's blown, uh, and now they go to work 24-7 uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to destroy what you and I love. That ticks me off. It's very, very, very serious. Even Peter, you know, you, you just, you, you know, Pastor, evangelist, missionary, be careful. Who am I? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, hey, you're hearing from God. You got a hotline to heaven, man. Now that you know that, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to die. No, 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 no. I'm hearing from God. Jesus, you're, you're delusional. You're not going to go to the cross. Uh, spare yourself. Pity yourself. Uh, don't go for God all that, uh, you know, that hard. Uh, for heaven's sakes, uh, you know, just kick back and have one service a week for crying. Let your wife uh, and your old lady preach for heaven's sakes. Uh, and, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, we're getting older now. And, you know, we need, to, you know, some entertainment centers. And, hey, I hear from God, man. I once prophesied. Get behind me. <laughs> I love that. Pops the balloon of every person whose head can't fit out those double doors. Just a passing comment to pastors um, in the letters to the uh, churches. Um, there's a church that's, uh, that uh, is mentioned, Thyatira, in Revelations 2 and verse 20. Uh, it says this word, um, I have a few things against you because you suffer that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, false doctrine, fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. What is um, uh, very uh, important to see is this was a church that had much to be commended. They were a church that had worked and their works were growing. Uh, their outreach program was flourishing. Um, and uh, uh, Jesus speaks, uh, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience and your works uh, and your last to be more than your first. Uh, and what is sure to stir up a hornet's nest tonight uh, is the marginal reading. Uh, get a load of this, guys. In the marginal reading, it says, um, Jesus said, to the pastor of this church, you allow your wife Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things uh, uh, sacrificed to idols. You see, the problem is there's an admixture. And on one hand, there can be a lot of good to be said. But you know, all you have to do is take a little pinch of poison. You could have a delicious steak, man. Uh, you could have some Chateaubriand, man. Uh, and uh, you could be ready to get down after service. Uh, and it might be a whole pound that you can pig out on. Uh, but oh, put a little pinch of poison uh, and it ruins it all. 
And the Lord said, you're going to have a loss. He spoke some very, very harsh words. He said, I'm going to kill her and her offspring. Now, I want to quickly touch on the symptoms of the snake bitten. Because 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage for us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, certainly there's a number of variations, but I want to hit on some of the most common. Because obviously what I'm talking about is not just the normal flow of life, the road dust that comes to all of us in life, but I'm talking about the norm. I'm talking about that there's something concentrated about this, something perplexing about this, and very insidious. You see, when this is launched against your, uh, you personally in spirit, one of the signs that I've seen of someone that's being beguiled or someone that's being bewitched, and obviously I'm not saying that this, if you have uh, this symptom and just, uh, you know, uh, that just if you have a little bit of this symptom uh, that you're bewitched, but I'm talking about beyond the ordinary, beyond the, just the uh, normal flow of life. And the first symptom I could t- touch on uh, is the symptom of confusion, where somebody otherwise had a clear conviction, had a clear understanding of the kingdom uh, and uh, of the things of God and the things of destiny. Uh, this person, uh, all of a sudden now, is beginning to waver in his mind. Uh, there's a loss of confidence, uh, and oftentimes a double-minded uh, uh, state becomes a uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, situation of his life, he loses that cutting edge uh, and that clarity uh, and a spirit of confusion like a cloud uh, begins to settle in on him, especially when dealing with crucial issues of destiny and of calling. You know, I'm going to tell you, I've had this wormwood worm its way into my spirit by false friends. And so this is an infection. This is a a dangerous spirit. People that you would never have expected can be very seductive and can be very mesmerizing and sound so cocksure of what they're spinning out. And I want to tell you, the only reason why I'm here today is because I have a relationship with God myself. Then there's another symptom. That's the sense of fearfulness and intimidation. Can be like a malaise that settles into your spirit of unease. Suddenly your courage and convictions are drained. And this is a spirit that begins to move. It's not from God, but it begins to move. And its aim is to shipwreck your faith so you'll not excel and bear fruit. Then there's the fiery darts of lust and uncleanness. And I'm not talking about you uh, entertaining lust because you want to uh, uh, play with your pogo stick. I'm talking about on another level. I'm talking about the force that often runs concurrently with this spirit of witchcraft. It has an unclean, slimy uh, spirit to it. And it begins to be seductive. I have a brother, and he's even here tonight. And we were discussing this about the Catholic Church. You know, when I went to, um, uh, to the Philippines, I didn't, you know, I was raised Catholic. Catholic Church, no big deal to me. God has um, uh, had to uh, deal with my heart and spoke to me and said, Son, any 
kind of false religion that can enslave a billion souls uh, you should not sneeze at. And my brother told the story to me one time about uh, as he's walking along, he's having, a, you know, um, uh, just a regular day, but uh, uh, there's issues, you know, that he's fa- facing and battling through. Um, and suddenly as he's passing by a, a cathedral, uh, uh, one of these Catholic cathedrals, uh, it's almost as though he can sense Mary uh, that's calling to him and with this alluring, seductive, uh, bordering on the sexual uh, calling to him and he said brother I wasn't ever raised a Catholic uh, but this thing began to come it was like it began to get a hold of me uh, and pull on me uh, and it scared me I had a lady come to me one time she passed her I need counsel she was horrified she was being terrorized in her sleep she was being uh, sexually assaulted in her sleep, she was being strangled and having horrible, horrible, horrible nightmares and visitations. I began to deal with her to ask her some questions, as any good counselor would, and come to find out she had just recently watched some movie, and it had the plot, I never saw it, but it was about, uh, about a ghost. Uh, this woman's lover died, he goes into the, uh, the afterlife, uh, but they're able to make a bridge in the spirit, uh, and they're having this... Uh, ongoing um, a love affair in the spirit. And when she told me, uh, it's like a demon came on her. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I was like, my God, you're making my flesh crawl. <laughs> you don't think witchcraft is projected out of the one-eyed demon? You're an idiot. Quote me. Heavy-duty witchcraft. Dude, I saw the exodus, uh, exorcist before I got saved, and that night I had demon power come and try, to th- and try to thrash me that night. Don't ever, ever, ever try to convince Mark Olson that demon powers don't come uh, through uh, uh, media. And while I'm just because I like you all, I want to throw this one in. <laughs> Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. I was in Australia having fellowship, and just, you know, in the course of conversation, uh, brother shared this with me. He said, there's a preacher. He's no longer with us, and uh, you'll see why. And so, um, uh, you know, we have a stand, and unfortunately, some of the guys, you know, dropped some stands uh, and standards along the way. But I thank God that, uh, I thank God Pastor Mitchell hasn't dropped his standard, uh, and, uh, and I thank God for that standard because it's kept me saved, uh, and I hope it keeps you saved. But this guy, uh, he's a smart aleck. And so, you know, the big la-ha-ha was, oh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that movie. And that people, you know, they hear him preaching. Well, did you see that movie? How would you see that movie? And, you know, <laughs> I saw it on a plane. What he did is he went out and he bought a little toy plane. He put it underneath his VCR player. And then he plugged in his uh, tapes and, and watched it on his uh, TV. Uh, that was a violation. If you're a preacher in our fellowship, uh, we don't want you if you have a TV. Okay, but, but check this out. Check, check out this spirit. Uh, 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 <laughs> I saw that one on a plane. We're talking about witchcraft. In other words, if some of you, <laughs> the last train's still in the station. Come on. <laughs> Glory to God. Another 
assault that can come is a sickness assault. And again, it's not just a little sniffle. It's beyond the pale of that. But it's an all-out attack. One time in my church, there was a young man that's a very good young man, has a very bright uh, future and destiny, if you just live right. And he began to get sick off and on and again and again and again. And I'm praying about this guy. And uh, while I'm in prayer, God spoke to me and said, witchcraft is working against his life. I called him up. I made an appointment. And uh, I had heard before that another pastor had prophesied on him and tried to pull him. And the prophecies, this guy's a sidekick of Benny Hinn. And uh, that should tell you a lot right there. Anybody that combs their hair, you know, and all, you know, it's, it's like in Phoenix. It goes down I-17 and it hits 202 and it comes around to 101 and back. Let me tell you something. I don't trust a guy like that. And so anyway, he prophesies, yeah, 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 shanda la 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 handa, thus saith the Lord, uh, you uh, are called to come over and, uh, and uh, help me uh, build my church, uh, and God is going to give me men from other churches to come uh, and labor with me, and da-da-da-da-da, and you're going to have, you know, you know, on and on and on. And so this is the prophecy that's ringing in his ear. And so, um, uh, and so later on, uh, you know, this guy begins to get visited on the job, and the guy's bringing him things uh, and speaking to him and tells him this word. It says, brother, he says, your shoes are too big to fill at that church. I want to tell you something. There's a God in heaven. And I want to tell you something that when you begin to make blatant, you adulterer. That is the spirit of adultery. I'm talking about that pastor. He's on the make. It's just like somebody that would hit on your wife. They're on the make, and they're a filthy adulterer. And uh, as he begins to put the moves on this guy, what's amazing uh, is the guy is chronically sick, uh, horrendously sick. uh, And as we're talking, I begin to expose what God put on my heart. Uh, His jaw drops down to his chest. Uh, He confesses to me some things. uh, And he says, you know, I also want to tell you something. Um, It's amazing because, I, I, you know, pastor, bizarre thoughts were coming in to my mind, uh, and I was very angry at you. It was a demon spirit that, like a hornet, uh, uh, stung him uh, and put some poison in him. The hornet goes off, uh, but the poison's still in his system. Are you with me tonight? When you can't get an ordinary breakthrough, I'm convinced. I know we all have to slug it out. I know it's a hard slog, you know, and, and work to uh, evangelize, so on and so forth. But when you can't make a breakthrough, you can't get a breakthrough, uh, you know what? You need to begin to smell. There may be a rat. There may be some witchcraft. There may be some forces, uh, especially when uh, intimidation's coming at you and confusion somehow uh, engulfs your mind uh, and uh, bizarre things begin to happen and, and twisted uh, uh, assaults come to your mind, to your dreams. Uh, uh, things begin to, you know, it's beyond the law of averages. Uh, you might say, you know what, uh, there's a devil. I remember when we hit 15 churches, planting 15 churches in Davao, and it was like, man, we're on a, we're on a roll. God's helping us, and bam, man, uh, 
it was like someone put down a glass wall uh, and crash. We hit uh, uh, that wall and it felt like all hell came. Uh, it felt like um, we were in this withering crossfire that hell began to unleash against our life and nothing we could do could break through that 15 uh, uh, barrier. And I began to just say to God, you know what, God, I'm so sick and tired of this. Uh, I feel like I'm, uh, I, you ever seen one of those cartoons uh, when the big bully puts his hand uh, up on your head and you're swinging and you're doing everything you can to swing. I had three older brothers. Uh, I'm swinging with everything I get. I can't hit nothing but air. And then they just pop you one and give you a pop knot right in the top of your head. Boom. You hit the ground, pick yourself up. You're spitting mad uh, and you're starting again uh, and pop hits you right back down. Anybody can relate to that? And I'm saying, God, I ain't digging this. And in the desperation and agony of my soul, God spoke into my life and God said to me this word, question, do you think the enemy touches one of my children with impunity? That was the question. It went off like, a, uh, it went off like fireworks inside my mind. Scripture after scripture began to come through. Um, I began to write down as I began to understand uh, that, hey, you know what? Um, he that touches you, the Bible said, uh, touches the apple of my eye. Romans chapter 8 and verse 36 uh, is a powerful scripture. And it says, uh, it says this word, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed uh, all the day long. Uh, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Uh, and so here's a power scripture. Now look at this. This is like a contradiction in terms. All day long, there is a target that is put upon your chest and upon your back. And all day long, as far as the devil goes, we're counted but stinking sheep for the slaughter. He can't stand us. He'll hit you. He'll, he, you know, he doesn't, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't have, a, have to have a particularly good reason to hit you. Uh, he just wants to hit you. And I tell you this, that we are foolish tonight uh, if we were to say to ourselves, uh, well, we can handle this spiritual warfare stuff. Uh, it's no big deal. Well, just look at the illustration of the shuttle coming back, leaving one atmosphere and coming into the earth's atmosphere. Uh, and when it didn't have its proper covering over it, uh, you know what happened. And in the exact same fiery fashion, you and I will break up. You and I, if uh, God took his hand off of us, uh, Job was a perfect illustration. Uh, we could have more problems uh, than the drugstore has pills. Uh, we could have uh, uh, a barrage of things that could un uh, unleash upon us. Uh, but thanks be to God, uh, uh, there's a, a, a God in heaven. And this God in heaven says uh, that in all of these things, when the hell comes against us, uh, uh, the picture I want to paint is as though God is drawing. God could have crushed Pharaoh and his chariots. Uh, he could have finished him off there in Egypt. He led his people right to the Red Sea. Uh, it looks like they're boxed in. It looks like there's a hopeless uh, situation. Uh, but the purpose was draw the serpent out of his hole. Uh, bring him out. Come on, let's play. Uh, and let's come out here. Uh, oh, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Uh, and he opens up the Red Sea. Uh, and the one final judgment that hadn't struck yet uh, was God crushed uh, Pharaoh's army. I want to tell you, God began to put some fight back in my soul. I don't mind fighting if I know I'm going to win. It's true. 
When God puts the eye of the tiger, you know, God puts that down inside your spirit. And I want to tell you, I take Jesus not only as my savior from sin, I take him as my savior from the devil. The first prophecy you need to quote is of the virgin seed, and he shall bruise the serpent's head. Genesis 12 and verse 2, I'll make of you a great nation. This is to our father Abraham, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. There's no ifs. There's no, there's no uh, question about this. And I will bless them that bless you, and I'll curse him that curses uh, you. I want to tell you this. And that is um, that every time you find the spirit of witchcraft um, uh, mentioned in the scripture, God in his uh, response to it employs some of the most violent uh, and, uh, and, uh, and vehement language. Uh, you do your own research. He crushed uh, the uh, Egyptians. Uh, he crushed uh, Balaam. Uh, he crushed uh, Jezebel. He had that uh, uh, whore slung out of the window, uh, and he crushed uh, these uh, uh, that rose up with witchcraft uh, because this is not a game, uh, because the sad truth is, uh, is that many are taken by enchantment. Uh, many are taken, they don't even know it perhaps, uh, uh, but they're beclouded. Uh, uh, they're spun off of their destiny with God. Uh, their lives are destroyed. Their marriages are destroyed. Uh, and God uh, uh, does not suffer this gladly. I want to tell you this. Psalms 149, verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all of his saints. Praise ye the Lord. What is God saying to us? God says, don't just be a punching bag and don't be a, a doormat but fire back. You rise up. You say, you serpent, uh, you foul uh, spirit that uh, tries to hinder me. Uh, you try to resist me. Uh, you try to keep me barren. Uh, you try to uh, rob me of my destiny. Uh, you try to steal my children. Uh, you try to steal my ministry. Uh, I'm going to fight you to the death. Uh, and if I perish, I perish. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to tell you, God's intense. When someone's spirit of witchcraft touches you, and I've, I've, I've duped it out with some folks, and I've duped it out with some people, and I want to tell you something, God uses violent language. I'm for peace. I'm a, a peace-loving man as much as the next guy. But I want to tell you something. As I do my research in the Bible, you do your own. When you touch God's inheritance, his bride, his people, I want to tell you, you torque him off like nothing else torques him off. I'm talking about destinies. God will pluck you up. I'm talking about he'll take your life. Ooh. You know why? I, I, I just want to, I just close with this. Had a church that was delivered over in good stead, had revival almost running 200 people in Sarah Vista. I had some dinglings rip us off. Five years of my labor 
Left a good church, a lot of finances. Seven, eight daughter, uh, eight couples were out. Uh, John and Esther Gooding's out of there. A number of other couples who were out of that church. On pace, once every nine months, on pace, planting a church. Having destiny, overseas expression, ministry. Dinglings got a hold of that. People that did not even build that, but fastened upon the fruits of that, took that in another direction. And out of that, uh, some young people, this is how it went. This is how it goes. First thing, you buy a television. Next, you go to the R-rated movies. Next, it was to the dance floors. Next, it's a little drinking. And then, you know, a little wife swapping. And then that has, you know, some ramifications and relationships. You know what I mean? And then the next thing you know, Brother Jay can't take this anymore. Calls Anna. Anna, come back to me. Anna, come back to me. She says, no, I won't. Oh, you need to come. Please come. She thinks about it. She decides to go over. A couple hours later, knocks on the door. No one answers the door. Finally gets in, uses her key, opens the door. And this guy's brains are splattered all over the wall. We're talking about when Jesus said he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, I know that's a spiritual sense. I want to tell you, I've had some uh, shootouts with some men that used to be friends and men of God. And I want to tell you something. God doesn't play this game. I know a man that's dead, that I marked him before God for what he did in the Philippines. He's dead. I know another man that has cancer. You say, well, that could be just normal. I'm, I'm just telling you something. I know marriages of a pastor that reached into our church and tried to disrupt and destroy a number of destinies. And this man and his wife of over 20, 30 years broken up. It's interesting to me, the moment this man was going to leave this church, I just found this out in, in uh, Australia, the moment that he knew that he was, uh, he was caught, he was caught with his pants down, and that's on the tape. He was caught with his pants down in uh, things, uh, and, uh, and what he did uh, is that he went right out the moment that he left the church and spent $15,000 to buy a home entertainment center. That sure blessed his wife. She left him last February, a year ago. So what, am I, what, what are you telling this for? Because we're not playing the game tonight. Luke 10, 19, I close. Behold... I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let's bow our head. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, 
subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.